We talk about Trevor Penning and the New Orleans Saints, Geno Smith, Drew Locke, and the Seattle Seahawks, as well as Malik Willis and the Tennessee Titans. All that and more on another episode of Locked on NFL. You are Locked on NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And it's Monday, so that means you have me, Kevin Ostriker, the host of Locked On Ravens. And thank you so much for making Locked On NFL your first listen to today. We're free and available on all platforms. That includes over on YouTube in video form. And today's episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by Brightco Jewelry and Watch Insurance. Brightco brings you comprehensive, fast, and affordable jewelry insurance for as low as $5 per month. You got your special offer for Locked On listeners. They get covered in under two minutes at bright.co forward slash locked on. That's bright.co forward slash locked on. And we're back here, a Monday edition of the show. Plenty to talk about here. Teams have to get to 53 players on their roster by Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to be talking with a bunch of hosts from around our network about the latest stories surrounding their teams. First, in the first segment, we'll be diving into the Trevor Penning injury in the New Orleans Saints with Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints, followed by Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks, diving into that quarterback situation in Seattle with Sheena Smith has grasped hold of. And finally, then to Malik Willis and more with the Tennessee Titans with Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans. So a ton to dive into. Let's first talk with Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints about that New Orleans Saints team. Well, the Saints are one of those teams in the NFC South competing for that title. And here to talk about that New Orleans Saints team is the host of Locked On Saints and Ross Jackson. Ross, the Saints picking up a pretty major injury over the course of this past week. How are you doing? Yeah, doing well. Uh, but yeah, it was a pretty big... Uh... Piece of news for the New Orleans Saints with that Trevor Penning injury, of course, one of two first round picks this year. So uh, going to be really interested to see how the New Orleans Saints navigate and figure all of that out. <laughs> yeah, so, so let's talk about Penning here, because obviously one of those first round picks for the Saints and someone who could have a pretty big role in this team, considering he was healthy. Now, obviously, going to be out for a while with the torn ligament in his foot. The official diagnosis here is being indefinitely I mean, what is this kind of hit to the Saints' offensive line depth, Russ? Are you still confident in the depth that they have there, or would you rather them go out there and maybe sign somebody else who's available? I'll say that I'm confident in the starting five with James Hurst as the starting left tackle. That's kind of who I expected to be, even though Trevor Penning was trending you know, in the right direction in terms of his development and everything. I still thought James Hurst was going to be the starter to open up the season. But the big issue now is that you sort of expected that Trevor Penning would have all of that time to kind of develop in the background and probably eventually took over as a starter during the 2022 season. Now, seems like that's not going to happen or, I mean, you know, we'll have to see exactly what the full sort of uh, missed, you know, time is for James Hurst when it comes to all this kind of going to depend on the surgery, I think. But you know, you expected to be able to see him develop. Now he doesn't have any of that development opportunity because he's going to be with the trainers rehabbing instead of out there working. So I think that the, the the starting five is something I'm still very confident in. The depth, not so much. The Saints have already moved on from really their only other left tackle option in Derek Kelly uh, during roster cuts this weekend. So I expect very much that they're going to be bringing in, you know, some guys like maybe Eric Fisher, maybe... Uh, uh, Nate Solder, uh, Jason Peters, some of maybe these veteran left tackles that can come out and provide some quality experience depth. 
And, and it makes sense because obviously with the way that the tackle position goes, one of the most important positions on an offense, mm-hmm. you want to have enough depth there for sure. But what has Penning showed so far to you, Ross, throughout training camp in the preseason in terms of that development you talked about? Yeah, look, he's been outstanding in the run game from the very beginning. That's really where, you know, he hangs all of his laurels. He is an absolute mauler, a road grader in that area of the game, sometimes maybe a little bit too much so, but I'm never mad at Trevor Finning for making a couple of defenders mad. Like he said, if if the person out across from you doesn't hate you, you're not doing your job. So <laughs> that's the way that he looks at it. And he certainly did has done his job very well in the run game. But, you know, big number 70, he was developing when it came to what he could do in the passing game as a pass protector. Remember, he didn't move over to the offensive line position until he transitioned from tight end early on during his time at the University of Northern Iowa. Then he played left tackle there at you know lower competition, lower, lower collegiate competition levels, and now he's in the NFL. So everyone knew that there was going to be a bit of a jump for him to make, a bit of a leap. Started off early on in camp. We thought maybe the gap wasn't as far when it came to his adjustments. Then once he got into the preseason, we kind of saw, oh, yep, it's a little bit further than maybe we thought it was. Uh, and so he was just continuing to climb up from that. But you know there were a lot of positive uh, a lot of positives coming from him over the course of the offseason. Hopefully this doesn't end up pushing his development or progress too far down the road because he was starting to pick up some momentum there. Right. And you mentioned Hurst is that kind of starting guy in there. But what about from left to right, Ross, this Saints offensive line? I mean, what's your confidence in each one of those guys? Yeah, I think the biggest question you're going to have is on the interior now. I mean, you know, James Hurst is a proven veteran in the NFL. He's somebody that the Saints like a lot. Uh, like I mentioned, he was probably going to be the starter week one regardless. Uh, Andrus Pete, Eric McCoy, Cesar Ruiz, they've all been great over the course of the offseason. Eric McCoy has been outstanding uh, and just remarkably consistent. He has everything that, it, that it, you know he needs to be one of the better centers in the NFL on a week-in, week-out basis. But the biggest question is going to be, you know, how do Andrus Pete and Cesar Ruiz perform in 2022 season Reese had some big strides that he needed to make over the course of the offseason offensive line coach Doug Marone as well as former uh, New Orleans Saints offensive lineman Jari Evans both working with him over the course of the offseason and we've seen some good progress from him Andrus Pete has been a player that plays extremely well in the run game does okay in the passing game but has trouble staying out on the field so even just figuring out the availability part of his ability uh, will be a big part of it and then of course over on the right side you've got Ryan Ramchick there the former Wisconsin Badger it doesn't get any better than that over on the right side so they are, are pretty comfortable there so you know once you've got James Hurst and Eric excuse me uh, James Hoist, James Hurst Eric McCoy and then uh, Ryan Ramchick as your kind of bookends and your center the next biggest thing to solve is going to be how does the interior hold up right and with that offensive line it really does all start up front for an offense but there is no shortage of talent with the other positional groups on that offense at running back wide receiver you have obviously Jameis Winston being the quarterback there what's your confidence level in the offense as a whole heading into the season yeah it's a far venture from what it was last year the New Orleans Saints offense should be a top 15 offense in 2022 after being bottom of the league in the passing game in 2021 they're that changed over that wide receiver room is that revamped you know they've gone from starters in that room including guys like Chris Hogan and Kenny Stills to moving now with Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, and Chris Olave. That's quite a change uh, that they've uh, that they've had there. Alvin Kamara looks like he had probably one of his best camps of his career so far here in 2022. He looked great over the course of the offseason. It's seeming more and more likely that his suspected suspension isn't going to come until the 2023 season with his case again continued to the end of September, which I expect that that will just end up being postponed or continued yet again because it's set for September 29th and the Saints play a game in London just a few days, uh, few days away from that. So I don't know if 
Alvin Kamara is even going to be in the country for that. <laughs> so with that being the case, I expect that to get pushed again. Um, the tight end position should take a step forward with Adam Troutman going into his next year. Taysom Hill now a full-time part of that room as well. And the development of Juwan Johnson has been very impressive. And the Saints have really been working on figuring out who, you know, their kind of third running back or fourth running back is going to be going into this year. But that's a good place to be, uh, especially in comparison to where they were at the skill positions last year. Right, and I know we've talked multiple times, Ross, about this defensive unit for New Orleans and how they brought in Tyron Matthew. They have Marcus May there as well, replacing Marcus Williams, who went to Baltimore. But what does that defensive group look like for you in terms of the depth they have? The New Orleans Saints defensive group right now looks like a top five defensive group in 2022. I mean, they have been over the course of the past couple of years, particularly in the run game, right? They've always been there. But, you know, they were a top five scoring defense in each of the last two years. They should, by the end of this you know, hopefully you and I are talking at the end of the year uh, about this team being top five in a scoring defense for the third year in a row. Demario Davis is back. Cam Jordan is back. Marshall Lattimore is back. These guys are all healthy and look like they're going to be ready to go for the 2022 season opener. Paulson Adebo, uh, the cornerback opposite Marshall Lattimore, looked like he was going to be in a little bit of a uh, camp battle, but held up his uh, spot, uh, you know, cleanly, really, throughout the entirety of training camp. Uh, Bradley Roby, probably the fourth cornerback on the roster, had six interceptions over the course of camp. I mean, the secondary looks outstanding. The second level, you know, has one of the greatest and best leaders of the franchise's history in Demario Davis. And the defensive line is one that should be healthy with Peyton Turner and Marcus Davenport working their way back after missing, you know, the majority or Peyton Turner's case, missing the majority of 2021. Marcus Davenport just coming up short of two digits uh, in terms of sacks last year and missing games during that time as well. So all the pieces are there. The coaching is there. It's still Dennis Allen's scheme. It's still Ryan Nielsen and Chris Richard that are your coaches taking care of the front seven as well as the back uh, end of that defense. So this should be, again, a top five defense in 2022 when it's all said and done. Yeah, they have the talent both offensively and defensively. And I think Dennis Allen for first year head coach walking into a pretty good situation there in New Orleans after being that defensive coordinator for a while. Ross, I appreciate you hopping on here. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure, bud. The NFC South is going to be a division to watch for sure, it seems like right now. Tampa Bay and New Orleans vying for that number one spot in the division, but you never know with dark horses such as Atlanta and Carolina there as well. But we'll head into our first break here on Locked on NFL. Still a ton to dive into on the show. Coming up, we'll be talking with Corbin Smith of Locked on Seahawks about Drew Locke, Geno Smith, and more. So be sure to stay tuned. We still have a ton to talk about here on Locked on NFL. But first... I do want to tell you a bit about Brightco, and we've all heard about those failed engagements, the, the fails that we've seen online about them, and you never want to be that guy, and you certainly don't want to splatter all over the internet. The guys at Brightco Jewelry Insurance will make sure you get a replacement for the full value of that ring, no matter if it's lost or stolen. You just can't figure out what happened to it, and you all hate insurance. It can be something that can be a bit of a hassle, but the guys at Brightco turn the whole experience around, so it's probably the easiest thing you can do for yourself this week. There are no excuses for five bucks a month. You get the totally comprehensive coverage, and it won't take you more than two minutes on your cell phone. Check it out now at Brightco Right.co forward slash locked on. And I do want to tell you now a bit about Turo. 
And Turo is the world's largest car-sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want wherever you want it from a community of local hosts. You can browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., Canada, even the U.K. You can book a spacious SUV or a minivan for a family road trip. You can get the classic look, luxury car for special events, birthdays, or even a holiday. You can find affordable economy cards if you're on a budget and just need to get from point A to point B. You can even test drive the new electric vehicle you've had your eye on to see if it fits your everyday life. Many Toro hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Service conditions and exclusions apply as well. Ditch the boring rental cars and find your drive at Toro.com. We're back here. Our second segment of Locked On NFL. Kevin Ostriker, your host, still hanging out with you here again. Thank you so much for making Locked On NFL your first listen of the day. And make sure you check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview starting August 31st, an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. The local team experts of the Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey NFL Insiders all combining into one Ultimate NFL Preview again starting August 31st. First with the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2020 on your Odyssey at YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. But let's dive into our second part of the show. Here we're going to be talking with Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks about Geno Smith winning the Seahawks quarterback competition. So let's dive into that now. Well, there have been plenty of quarterback competitions throughout the NFL, and one of those teams has announced their starter in the Seattle Seahawks, and here to talk about that with us here today is Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks. Corbin, the Seahawks going with Geno Smith over Drew Locke. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, and this quarterback situation in Seattle is obviously something to monitor after the Russell Wilson trade, the Seahawks getting Drew Locke back in that deal, among a bunch of other pieces. And throughout the whole offseason, it was the question, will it be the veteran in Geno Smith or the younger guy in Drew Locke? They go with Geno Smith, be Carroll announcing that after the third preseason game. Was this what you expected with the quarterback situation in Seattle, to have Geno Smith be the starter? Yeah, this really wasn't a competition for most of training camp. Geno Smith was getting 90% of the first team reps throughout camp. And when they finally were going to give Drew Locke an opportunity with the ones, he has a rough practice on Tuesday. He just didn't look right. So it's interesting that less than two hours later, the Seahawks announced that he's tested positive for COVID. He was under the weather that day, and you could tell the way he was playing. He had the momentum going into that practice. And that's why the Seahawks were going to start him in the second preseason game against the Bears. Well, with that positive test, did not get to play at all in that game, was away from the team for five days, returned. Geno Smith put together some really good practices leading up to this final preseason game. And Smith was decent, not great on his lone drive, but he didn't make any mistakes in regards to turnovers. And that is really the big issue here. Pete Carroll wants a quarterback that's going to play the point guard role and isn't going to turn the ball over a bunch and is risk averse. Well, Drew Locke is everything but that. Now he is going to have some really exciting throws that he's going to make. He had a 35 yard touchdown the other day. That was a perfect dime to Penny Hart, but then he turned right around and threw a second pick on the next drive. He's just so erratic. It's such a roller coaster. It really is the Drew Locke experience. And I don't think that Pete Carroll's interested right now in jumping on that train. Now maybe that changes down the line, but He wants to go with reliability, the player that's familiar with the offense, and most importantly, the one that isn't going to hurt the team by making poor decisions consistently. And Geno Smith, you know, give him credit. That has not been an issue for him the last couple of years. He did a good job not turning the football over when he started three games last year. So it really felt all along like this was going to be the outcome. Unless Drew Locke went out and lit the world on fire, he did not do that. 
Yeah, and it also felt like for Geno Smith, there were a lot of plays that got called back due to penalties. He had a couple of nice throws during the preseason that had that. So again, the mistake ability that Drew Locke has, the Seahawks going with the veteran stable presence score. We know what the Seahawks have done, but what would you have done in this situation? Would you want to go with the veteran or you just want to throw Drew Locke out there and see what he has if he can be the guy for them? I think based on what we've seen, the Seahawks made the only decision that they could. I do think that the COVID test being thrown in there that was the worst luck imaginable for Drew Locke because, like I said, I felt like the momentum was on his side at that point. He had put together, strung together three or four outstanding practices where he was the better quarterback. He had a really good first preseason game with two touchdown passes. So it seemed like that momentum was on his side. And then you have that positive test. You can't play against the Bears. You miss out on that prime opportunity. You're playing against third and fourth stringers against the Cowboys. And Two of the interceptions you can argue were not his fault. That's the thing worth noting. One of them was really bad. Trap coverage, and he just telegraphed it right to the cornerback. But just way too many mistakes. So this played out the way I thought it was going to. And if I was in Pete Carroll's shoes, I think he made the only decision he could there. Drew Locke made it a much easier choice for him with the way that he played on Friday. And he was already facing pretty long odds to be the starter in week one. Yeah, and in Seattle, Corbin, it feels like, obviously, with Smith being the starter, there is still a path for Drew Locke to get playing time this season. If you see Geno Smith struggle, maybe throughout the first month or even two months of the season, is there a specific point in the schedule where you might say, Geno Smith has struggled enough, they're just going to put Drew Locke in and make that change? It definitely could happen. I think I'm more open to that possibility now than I was going into training camp. I felt like whoever the Seahawks were going to pick, Pete Carroll was going to roll with him unless he absolutely had to make a change. But Carroll kind of opened that door up earlier this week, talking about the possibility of maybe winning play two quarterbacks. I don't think they're going to do that. But if Geno Smith does not play well and they're not able to put points on the board, then they may have no choice. They might have to go against Pete Carroll's principles and be like, look, yeah, Drew Locke's going to be more likely to make turnovers, but he's also going to be more likely to lead us on scoring drives, which that's how it played out in the preseason. There were a lot of exciting plays with Drew Locke at quarterback, but again, it's that Drew Locke experience. You're going to have the negatives on the roller coaster too, and Pete Carroll just isn't interested in that. If Locke shows more consistency in practice and gets more familiar with the offense and Smith isn't playing well, then absolutely this could happen. But I don't think that they're going to make a quick pull where it's going to be the first couple of weeks. I think it would have to be three or four games in. If Smith's struggling, then they could move on to Drew Locke. Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm actually interested to hear, Corbin, about maybe what you think ceiling-wise both these quarterbacks could lead the Seahawks to win-wise. Because obviously two different players a little bit, but with the ceiling and the floor, with the play styles you mentioned, they could be a bit different. Yeah, I think this is clearly a case where Drew Locke has the higher ceiling, but I think he's also got the lower floor. And that's what you deal with when you have a player who's so erratic and inconsistent because the lows are really bad. The highs are really exciting, and Denver had to deal with that the last three years. Really, Friday's game was a microcosm of Drew Locke's career to this point, and he just hasn't been able to eliminate those really bad decisions where he's throwing into two or three defenders. He could have had five interceptions the other day. There were a couple other throws that got away from him that he probably shouldn't have thrown, and so that gunslinger mentality really works against him. But again, potential is a dangerous word. He has all the arm talent. He has the underrated athleticism. He's got the moxie. Sometimes he plays with too much confidence. If you could put everything together, a huge if, 
then he does have the higher ceiling. But you know you're going to have a lot more stability and reliability from Geno Smith, especially with him being in year two working with Shane Waldron. Right. Let's move off of the quarterbacks a little bit, Corbin, because we are coming up on the 53-man roster deadline here. Cuts coming up in the preseason now for the teams officially over. I mean, who who impressed you depth-wise from this team, and who could be surprise cuts moving forward as the deadline comes up? Well, from the surprise standpoint, when you're looking at positive surprises, most of them have been on defense. Miles Adams, the defensive tackle, had double-digit quarterback pressures during the preseason, and he was near unblockable at times. Again, he was working against backup offensive linemen most of the time, but his quickness at 300 pounds, the ability to one-gap and two-gap, he's been able to line up all across the line. He has made this roster, and I think that means L.J. Collier, the former first-round pick, is on the outside looking in. I can't see them keeping both of those players. I think Miles Adams gets that spot. Mike Jackson at corner, he has been a thriller throughout training camp and the preseason. He's been decking people, making plays on the football. I don't think he's going to start, but he has clearly earned a spot, especially with Trey Brown now being on the pup list to open the season. He's going to have to miss at least the first four games coming back from a teller tendon injury. One other downside as far as surprises go, actually I'll throw two names out there. Former top pick Marquise Blair. I could see Collier and Blair both getting cut potentially. Right now I've got Blair being on the right side of the bubble, but he had a very underwhelming preseason in training camp, and they've got so much depth at safety. Josh Jones has surpassed him on the depth chart, probably going to play some snaps in free safety looks on Sundays. And Freddie Swain, the sixth-round pick from 2020, actually doubled his numbers last year, came into camp with a lot of buzz, but had a pretty poor preseason in training camp, dropped a bunch of passes in preseason games, and it seems like some of the younger players have had better camps than him. And so that is another name to keep an eye on that was an established receiver that might not be here on the 50 man roster when they start the season against Denver. Yeah, and talking about wide receivers, Corbin, we talked with Louis DiBiase last week of Locked on Eagles about the J.J. Ortega-Whiteside trade, the Seahawks getting J.J. Ortega-Whiteside in that trade. What were your initial reactions to the deal, and how has he looked so far in Seattle? That really was one of those training camp deals where you have two teams that are just trying to move on from a player without releasing them, trying to get something in return, and then you kick the tires for a few weeks, see what you got. I forgot to put J.J. Ortega-Whiteside on my 90-man roster this morning when I was looking at who's getting cut just because he's been here so briefly and his most notable plays were a couple drops in the end zone in a preseason game. And he just has, it hasn't been a fair shake when you get traded middle of training camp, it's very difficult to get traction, learning new offense. So I would be very surprised if he's on the roster in week one, I anticipate he's going to be one of their cuts going into Tuesday. Yeah, we'll see out of no shortage of star receivers on that roster, regardless with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett throwing to him, though. It will be Geno Smith, not Drew Locke on that side of the ball. Corbin, I appreciate you hopping on. Thanks so much for joining me. Yep, no problem. I appreciate it. Seattle has a ton of weapons for Geno Smith to throw to DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Noah Fan acquired from Denver, and more so. Geno Smith set up there in Seattle to be the starter. We'll see how long it lasts before Drew Locke comes in. If it ever will happen that Drew Locke does take the reins over from Geno Smith. We'll head into our final break here on Locked On NFL. Still a ton to talk about. We're going to be diving in to the Tennessee Titans with Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans. So be sure to stay tuned. We do still have a ton to talk about here on the show. But first, I do want to tell you a bit 
about prize picks and fantasy is something that's been in my life for a really long time. I've had multiple teams before we do locked on Ravens fantasy leagues for me and listeners over at my show. And there are a ton of different formats you can use as well. Well, prize picks is the place for you for daily fantasy and how it works is you pick two to five players. And if they will go score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can up to 10 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available and it offers projections on any sport that you watch. So NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, you have PGA, college football, etc. There are safe and fast withdrawals. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It really is that easy. Currently operational in over 30 states and Canada as well. So download the Prize Picks app and go to PrizePicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. It's the first time user bonus as well. You can receive 100% instant deposit to match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match of up to $100. We're back here with our final segment of locked on NFL. Kevin Ostriker, your host still here with you again. Thank you so, so much for tuning in, listening here today, making locked on NFL your first listen of the day. Be sure to subscribe to this channel on YouTube, follow along in audio form as well. But we have a ton to talk about in this final segment with Tyler Rowland of locked on Titans about Malik Willis and that Tennessee team. So let's talk about that now. Well, Malik Willis has certainly made headlines throughout the 2022 preseason so far. Here to talk with me about that and more Tennessee Titans news is Tyler Rowland, the host of Locked On Titans. Tyler, it's been an impressive preseason there in Tennessee. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing fantastic. And yeah, I mean, the preseason is full of ups and downs for pretty much every team. But I think if you're a Tennessee Titans fan, you got to be pretty happy with how the preseason went. There's still some things that you're worried about, but the things that uh, you wanted to see go well have, have turned out pretty well for the Titans. Right, and let's start with Malik Willis, obviously one of the major headlines there in Tennessee right now. Really impressed a lot of people during the preseason, showed some growth. I mean, what have you seen out of him so far throughout this first preseason for him as a Tennessee Titan? Well, I think the key word there is the one that you just mentioned, and that's growth. Because there were things that, if you were a realistic fan, now if you're somebody who's just, Malik Willis is going to be the best ever, then, you know, maybe you're not satisfied. But uh, I think if you were realistic, you knew that Malik Willis had incredible traits. He had a very strong arm. The running ability is well documented. He had playmaking in his DNA. But it was all the other things that you were worried about. Guy barely played under center. Uh, how he mostly was in shotgun during his NFL career. How is he going to handle playing under center in the Titans system? Operationally, getting guys lined up correctly, reading the defense pre-snap, making audibles, making adjustments, knowing where guys are supposed to be. Uh, not only the operational aspects of running an offense, but his footwork was kind of a mess coming in, and his mechanics with his throw needed to be tightened up. He worked with his quarterback coach, Sean McAvoy, who we talked with on the Locked On Titans podcast, podcast and work with the coaching staff, uh, quarterback coach Pat O'Hara, and and worked on those mechanics. His, his arm and his throwing motion looks a lot better, and then his footwork has improved drastically from game to game to the final preseason game of the year. So you're seeing operationally within an NFL offense. You're seeing mechanics-wise. He's all grown. He's grown so much, and I think that's what gives you optimism going forward that if he if he's grown and progressed, this much in this quick of a time in the, you know, three weeks that the preseason schedule is, then how much more is he going to grow throughout the year? And then what will he be looking like next year in the preseason coming off, you know, 50-yard run and over 100 yards and the touchdown pass to Traylon Burks? I mean, if that's what he's doing now with just three weeks of growth from where he needed to come from, 
it, it just has to make you so excited for the future of Malik Willis. It doesn't. I think it almost raises somewhat of a question, Tyler, of when is that future? Because with Ryan Tannehill, he obviously is the starter there. There's not there's not a question about that. But do you see any circumstance, any scenario this year in 2022 where if Ryan Tannehill struggles? You could see Malik Willis in there getting some starter snaps for the Titans. Well, I'll answer this in two ways. Number one, you're right. As you hit on I can't come on here and sell a bill of false goods. Ryan Tannehill is the Titans starter no matter what throughout the rest of this season or, or throughout this next season, no matter what. And one of the big storylines throughout Titans camp has been how sharp Ryan Tannehill has be, uh, been, how much more vocal he's been. And that's been a lot of the conversation now. Is that just, you know, trying to set him back on track mentally after that disaster that was the Bengals loss? We don't know. But Tannehill's looked good. But to the Malik side of the question, I am going to give you an answer that I typically don't give in its at least I'm not going to say no, because I think, I think, and we'll get our answer here in the next 24 to 48 hours, I'm thinking that the Titans are going to cut Logan Woodside, the, the backup for the last few years for the Titans, and they're going to have just Malik Willis and Ryan Tannehill. And if that happens, I think it would incentivize the Titans coaching staff to find packages to use Malik Willis and kind of get something out of his value this year. He is such a talented runner that you could create short yardage, goal line, third and short situations, red zone packages where you can utilize him. Think about a Malik Willis, Derrick Henry read option on the two yard line. You know, that's Ryan Tannehill is a good runner in his own right, but that's even more dangerous than you could imagine. So I think it would only behoove them to, to find ways to do that. But realistically, the only way I see Malik Willis getting on the field this year is if the Titans are in a big blowout one way or another and they just want to ensure Ryan Tannehill's health for the next game. And it would make sense to not only protect Tannehill, but also, hey, let's get some Malik Willis live, real, in-game, regular season experience while the result of this game is out of hand. So if the Titans are getting blown out or they're doing a, a blowout to another team, I think it would be smart to get Malik Willis in there. But other than that, uh, I think it's probably unlikely. Yeah, and that almost reminds me shades of Lamar Jackson's rookie year in Baltimore. Joe Flacco still there. And Lamar Jackson's mm -hmm. first touchdown came with Joe Flacco on the field, but Jackson is the runner there. And there you obviously go. Flacco and Tannehill at that point in their careers now a little different in terms of the talent level, but I still yeah, think that, that seems fair. Kevin, I got to tell yeah. you that if uh, Malik Willis has a Lamar Jackson, uh, Jackson trajectory, I think Titans fans will be very, very excited. That is uh, something we need to manifest here on the show. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Lamar Jackson, obviously one of the best quarterbacks in this league. So Malik Willis, to be that, that'd be, that'd be pretty special that would overall. Be great. But yeah. one of the people that Malik Willis is throwing to is first-round pick Traylon Burks. And uh, a very interesting, I'd say, offseason for Traylon Burks overall. Now, you have, obviously, the flashes on the field. We've seen that. He is a very talented mm -hmm. receiver. But a couple of injury concerns off the field that I think Titans fans are kind of a, a bit concerned concerned about a tiny bit. What's been the overall mood with Traylon Burke so far? Well, I think the mood's been kind of a roller coaster. He does something good in practice, or he's wide open in that first preseason game against Baltimore, running down the field and doesn't get the ball, and people are all, oh, look, you know, Burks is great. He's open. He's not, you know, he's making plays in practice, doing this, but there's always something, it seems like, with Burks. In the game on Saturday night, he catches a touchdown pass, gets a couple catches before that, all good, but he's kind of in and out of the game at points, holding his wrist, goes back in the back, comes back, shaking his wrist after the touchdown pass. You know, is he hurt? Is he okay? You could never really tell 
Uh, even when he has his good moments, there are like some bad moments involved with it. So you can never be purely happy. But I mean, overall, I think the, the panic or the downside from national folks on Traylon Burks it is unwarranted. Uh, the quarterback situation, we talked about Malik Willis trying to have growth and everything like that. Other than that, they have Logan Woodside, who really shouldn't even be on an NFL roster. So the quarterback situation has been up and down throughout the preseason. Burks has been open and not gotten the ball. Burks uh, has had some injuries to deal with, but he's healthy and ready to go into the season. So I think when he has Ryan Tannehill throwing to him, and Mike Vrabel said in a press conference, they're not going to manufacture touches for Traylon Burks in the preseason. And that's kind of the stuff that he's going to excel at early on. Those quick screens, quick slant over the middle, a jet sweep, stuff like that. So they're not catering to him like they will in the regular season. But I do have to say, like I said, every time he has a good moment, it seems to be couched with like some concern. And I hate to keep making the comparison, but it does remind you of a former Tennessee Titans wide receiver and A.J. Brown, who every time he made a big play or a big catch, Seems like he got up slowly and walked to the sideline. Every time he did something good or said something great in the media, he'd throw out a weird tweet a couple days later that he deleted. So it just uh, feels right at home for Titans fans with an up-and-down star-wide receiver in the making. Yes, yeah, so some shoes to fill there in A.J. Brown now in Philadelphia there overall. Right. But, Tyler, we have roster cuts coming up here throughout the entire NFL Tuesday. If we're at Pam Eastern time, these teams have to get down to 53 players. You mentioned Logan Woodside is a potential cut there for the Titans, but is there anybody else who might be a surprise release from this team? I think uh, – I don't know about – um, necessarily a, a surprise outside of one guy, but a guy like Laurel Murchison, who's been a draft pick for the Titans, I could see being cut. Uh, Des Fitzpatrick, who was a, a mid-round pick for the Titans, a pick that I lamented very quickly in real time, and uh, I could give myself a pat on the back for that. Des Fitzpatrick does not look like an NFL player, but the real surprise is going to be at punter. The Titans' former all-pro punter, Brett Kern, who has been with the team since 2009, one of the better punters over the last decade plus. Uh, he's 36 years old. His yards per punt has gone down five years in a row. He's had some injury issues in recent years. And the Titans have a young undrafted free agent punter in Ryan Stonehouse who has a cannon and can bomb the ball about 70 yards downfield. He's working on his precision punting, but I think the Titans will, will go with the youth, save $2 million, and they'll let go of their longtime all-pro punter. Brett Kern, who should be picked up by a team maybe like the Buffalo Bills pretty quickly because he deserves to have a roster spot. But you got to go with the young potential of Ryan Stonehouse. That'll be maybe a surprise to some people to see Brett Kern go from Tennessee. Yeah, the longevity of some of these punters is incredible that you have. And all the legacies they built. We see Sam Cook from Baltimore retire. They bring in right. Jordan Stout in the draft. So a, a lot of punters that, you know, it almost seems like a transitional period over from some of these older punters to the new ones that we're seeing overall. Exactly. But Tyler, I appreciate you hopping on here. Thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, not a problem. Thank you so much, Kevin. Plenty to like when it comes to that Tennessee team. You have Malik Willis in there, but the starter right now is Ryan Tannehill. He'll be throwing that football. You have Derrick Henry as that running back, too, and that defense looks to be much improved as well. So a ton of exciting stuff going on in Tennessee. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked On NFL. Thank you so much for tuning in. When we get back here tomorrow, we'll be diving into more content with your Tuesday host. So be sure to stay tuned for that, and we'll see you right back here tomorrow.